internet? You're tuned in episode 77 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by the sleepiest boy in the business, Mr. Robert Thompson. I was about to say, I do feel very tired. <laughs> you always feel tired. <laughs> I just got over being sick with the Comic-Con flu and then in sickness on top of that. It's, you're asking a lot of me, man. I'm getting up early. <laughs> No, I'm not, I I'm that's why I'm giving you credit where yeah. credit's due, man. You're you're tired, but you always show up. You do your work, you do your best, and I you know I love you for it. Sleepy so. boy, <laughs> sleep boy. <laughs> and then also joining me today is my night nerdy armor, Mister Sean wow. Bartley. Uh, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> I gotta switch it up on you once. It's funny, man, because you when it came to like the guildmaster, like you're good with that. Everything else, you're like. I don't know. Every other one I've ever thrown out that you haven't been a fan of. I don't really like nicknames. Uh, I never <laughs> have. It's because I never, I, I didn't grow up having them, so I don't like them. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, the Guildmaster isn't really a nickname, it's a statement of fact. Exactly. That's why it's hard. <laughs> I mean, you have nerdy armor and you're like a holy knight. Those are, those are accurate. I don't have nerdy armor. I don't have any armor. I'm a human. And I'm not uh, in war, so I have no need for armor. <laughs> Sean, if I bought you a suit of World of Warcraft armor, what would you do with it? Give it back. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Oh. That's harsh. What am I going to do? Wear it? What the hell yes, is this? Oh, I would. I mean, right, at the very least, you okay. could... You could... <laughs> At the very least, you can put it on a stand and have it, like, hanging out in your, you know, your space like you're the kingpin or something. Oh I don't God. have you, a space. I have no space. If you guys no do, like, space. warlock stuff, I would walk around all day. I would go to my job and that shit. I would be so happy. I don't even have a Jean Grey bust or anything like that because I have so little space that I wouldn't be able to put it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's New York City living. <laughs> something like that, but yeah. All right, so speaking of World of Warcraft, Sean, uh, how's it been going in Battle for Az? How has the Battle for Azeroth been going? That's what I meant to say. Uh, pretty good. I I think that this is. I'm pretty sure this is an update because I know I haven't been on the show for two weeks, and I think that two weeks ago this happened. Uh, we, my guild beyond the flames, killed two mythic bosses in one week. Oh wow! Yeah, which is uh. You know, pretty unprecedented. That doesn't really happen much. Especially once you get past the first, you know, two or three. Um, generally after that, it's one boss a week for guilds that aren't in the top 50. Uh, so we were able to kill two bosses. One of which was a wall for us for about a week. And then we bust that down. And then we killed the very next boss the night after. Wow. Uh, so, so that, like, couldn't have been many runs at it, right? Uh, it was, uh, I believe it was 28 pulls or 30 pulls, which is really, really low, uh, especially for that particular boss. We just, it clicked for us. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed a lot this tier, and it's true for everybody, is whenever you have a boss where you can put the responsibility of progressing through the boss in the hands of reliable players, you will see progress faster. So it's like, if I know that there's a mechanic that has to be dealt with, and I can assign it to someone I trust, it'll never go wrong, 
and that's mm. something I don't have to worry about. Whereas if there's a boss where there's a lot of personal responsibility and choices that have to be made, those bosses are always harder because it requires 20 people to make the right decision for X amount of minutes. That makes sense. Yeah. So the boss we're on right now is one of those bosses. For eight minutes, everybody in the raid has to make good choices. And that is going to take a long time because it, it requires you to get one pull where it synchronizes, where no one makes a bad decision. That's tough. Wow. Uh, that that kind of sucks, actually. <laughs> Eight minutes long. Is there, like, yep. a time gap for that boss or something? Is that what why? do you mean? Like, does it, is there, like, a segment to it that's specifically eight minutes long? It's just that in order to go from, in order to take the boss's health from 100% to zero, it takes you eight minutes. Oh, damn. Okay. And there's still a, a long fight. There's a piece of, of the boss, there's, like, an intermission phase where you can't damage him. So that elongates the fight, and that happens uh, two times, where you just can't do oh, any wow. damage to him. How, how long is it that you can't hit him? Uh, I believe that the intermission lasts about two minutes, so it goes two minutes, phase one, two minutes intermission, two minutes phase one, two minutes intermission, then you kill him. Pretty much. So that's like, (laughs) that that does seem like you said, like it kind of inflates the time it would take to normally take on a boss, right? Yeah, yeah. And and they do things like that fairly frequently. because it, it's a different kind of test. It's it's testing your raid's ability to follow the mechanics and 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 focus honestly. And again, anytime they they do that kind of thing, it typically is it coincides with a lot of personal responsibility. So it'll be okay. Here's this long intermission. Now do everything right that you were doing before, but do it with this added mechanic without the ability to hit the boss. Sure. And it. Believe it or not, removing the boss from the equation is supposed to help you do the mechanics because then you're not focused on your on your damage on the boss. So, right. But it doesn't always work like that in practice. At any rate, we're, we're progressing through this boss a little slower than I would like to, so I'm a little frustrated by that. But he should be dead this week. And in that case, we will be on the last boss of the raid tier ahead of schedule, so I'm really happy about that. I was going to say you're on, what, six or seven now? This is seven. Okay, and there's eight. Yeah. Right, okay. Damn, man. Well, awesome. So it seems like you guys are, like, getting pretty close to the end. Yeah, we're right there. And this will be the quickest we've ever ended a tier. Uh, and I'm, I'm really, really proud of what, what we're accomplishing here so far. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations, and congratulations to the rest of the Beyond the Flamers. I know that oh, was... I didn't, I didn't mean that to sound that way. <laughs> um, the rest of the members of Beyond the Flames. Thank you. can't even give a good compliment anymore. <laughs> that, was, that was not... That was inelegant. Uh, I know some of you listen to the show, so um, yeah, congratulations, guys, if, and good luck on the next one. And if you're listening and you're, you play WoW and you happen to be really good, uh, reach out to me. I'm looking for people. Look at that. We gotta get uh, we gotta get Tyler on the guild, right? No. <laughs> Tyler stands on fire. Let's be honest. Oh, oh shit. damn, shade. <laughs> All right.
right, so if you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, remember you can write into the show and hear your thoughts right on the air by, uh, you know, giving us a email over at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can hit us up in the comments down below, uh, or you can uh, follow our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, and keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing here at the Pals Network. Uh, we've got a couple NYCC videos left. If you guys are just video games people uh you've seen the last of our stuff we did with the party nerds but uh we've still got some stuff over on the uh, comics pals youtube channel if you want to go check that out we did a ton of creator interviews uh we finished those out last week and we've got a couple couple videos left this week we've got uh, another episode of fill me in which is our comedy series we like to do at conventions it is a show that i produce that i'm very proud of i think this new episode is is pretty funny so uh, i hope you guys will check it out it should be out by the time you're listening to this and then uh, we'll also have uh, another edition of the Comics Pals vlog, which Thompson makes an appearance in, several. So, uh, yeah, going to be some good stuff. Uh, if you guys are, you know, into checking out, you know, some of the stuff we do behind the scenes, I think you'll enjoy both those videos. So uh, I hope you'll check them out. I hope it's like Back to the Future, where every time you look for me in the photos, I'm just dissipating, and you can't see me in the photos <laughs> anymore. I don't exist in those. <laughs> Well, I think I think what this proves is that you were actually in the last vlog the whole time, but you're a vampire, so you don't show up on screen, and now you're not anymore. So My powers actually... have grown. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and remember, if you're an audio listener, we'd really appreciate it if you guys could uh, help us out. Drop us a like on your platform of choice or head over to Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five-star rated show, and uh, give us one of those sweet, sweet reviews. It really does help the show get recognized and get new eyes and ears on us. So uh, if you if you guys want to help us out, that would be great. And um, last but not least is, you know, as always, share it with your pals. If you've got a friend out there who's into uh, video games or comic books and you think that they might enjoy uh, coming and listening to one of our weekly podcasts or joining us for some Let's Plays or convention coverage, any of that stuff, uh, let them know we're out here and that you're enjoying what we're doing. And that's, you know, really the best way that you can help us grow the audience and uh, help the show keep going. So, I guess that means it's time for... The news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. Yeah. All right, so we've got, uh, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot to talk about this week, but there's not a lot of news. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty small list this week, but there, the, the items on it are big and juicy, so I'm excited to get into them. Okay. Uh, so kicking things off with some good news. Skybound fully expects to release episode three of The Walking Dead, the Telltale series, by the end of 2018. All right. So, Look yeah, yeah, seems like good news. And honestly, this story is literally nothing but good news. It's it's the one to- totally good news item on this list this week, which I'm, I'm happy about. Uh, so are for you, those of you who don't know... for, like, a lot of bad stories or something? Is that why? Yeah, are you well, going little, up the mountain little, so little, we can know that? A little bit. A little bit. It's, it's a tough week. Uh, so, um... If you don't know, Robert Kirkman, who's the creator of The Walking Dead, he owns a multimedia company that's called Skybound, uh, and, you know, they have, we talked about uh, the week that we were at Comic-Con, they kind of swooped in here and saved The Walking Dead, uh, the Telltale series, and, you know, are trying to, said that they were going to try and get a lot of the original people back to finish up season, um, you know, the final season with episode three and four, and uh, we've got, you know, some pretty good updates here with that. So they've, you know, been clear to say that they're not making any promises, but given the fact that episode three was already pretty far along in its production, uh, they've said that they're, they seem pretty confident that they'll be able to get it out before 2019. Oh, so wow. in a, yeah, which is great. Uh, so in a Reddit AMA, Skybound CEO Ian Howe, 
explained Skybound's position on the game. They said, quote, or he said, I should say, there is no reason for us to hold that information back. So it will be public immediately. Uh, and this is a little bit of a typo, I think. He says, it will be public immediately that we can talk about it with confidence. Given that you guys have been so supportive and patient, I'm going out on a limb and will say, yes, I fully expect episode three to be, to be uh, and then it's added here, released this year. So to be this year. Uh, I'll be very disappointed if we can't make that happen. So that's already, you know, great uh, statement if you're excited for, you know, the the, the wrap-up of, of Walking Dead's uh, final season. You know, doesn't seem like you'll have to wait very long for season three. But if you were one of the people uh, like us on this show where you were really concerned about what's going on with all these people who were out of work and who didn't get this severance and, you know, it was obviously a big story we talked about for several weeks, uh, I... Hal had a lot of good things to say here. So he said that Skybound's plan is to make their new team up of, quote, uh, quote 100% former Telltale staff. Wow. And he said he's already met with over 40 of them last week to discuss our plans moving forward uh, and that they know what we're trying to do. And as soon as the lawyers have done their thing, we'll be able to speak more openly. And this is jumping around a little bit. Um, just so you know, this isn't like direct. These are all direct quotes, but it's not one statement. These are multiple answers and stuff. Uh, and then he also said the only uh, the only areas where we weren't able to get people back is where they've already been offered other roles, which is totally understandable. So it basically looks like their goal here is to, you know, and this isn't every person who is fired by Telltale, but it's everybody who is working on The Walking Dead here going to be coming back as much as possible to finish this out and see their, you know, their um, their vision finished. So I think like. So yeah, so this team getting to return and 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 see their vision uh, through. So I think honestly, like this seems like pretty much the absolute best outcome for what is you know by all accounts a really horrible situation. What do you guys think about this? Yeah, I mean this is uh, a happy ending for sure, and I guess I didn't I didn't know how the skybound swooping in situation would play out. I guess I should have suspected that they would try to hire as many former employees of Telltale who were working on The Walking Dead as possible. Uh, I didn't see that coming, but I'm glad that it's happening. What's really surprising is that the game is slated to release, in this individual's mind, before 2019. So that tells me, because we're, we're near 2019, that tells me this game was really far along. Yeah, you know, like they, they must just be ready to kind of cross the T's and dot the I's. Or, or close, yeah, pretty close to that. So uh, that's exciting for anybody who was interested in this game and also exciting for these people who now have work. So awesome. Really happy to hear this. Yeah, because you got to think if the next episode's coming in 2019, that's going to give them at least like what, a eight, you know, six to eight month window of steady employment while they look for something else, you know, and or who knows, like maybe like, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk about this the week of because of Comic-Con, but I've been speculating that like Skybound's been getting into the video game business recently, you know, they've published a couple indie games on console for the first time. Uh, and I wonder if they might not just be like, hey, do you guys want to stay on and be skybound games you know and like maybe some of these people get to keep their job you know when sure. this is all said and done sure absolutely i could see that happening yeah i mean i i could i could definitely see them like this is a good way to jump into that too right if you have a staff that you hired from all this crap that went on and it's essentially like well we get a game out the door already as soon as you come in right i mean that's what they're saying it's only a few months away that they're gonna have to even time to ship this thing so then you've got a staff already there 
you can work on whatever you want. It doesn't have to be the next one, but it's, you know, it's... Well, I mean, like, Walking Dead's gonna end, right? Like, we know this is it, but... I mean, it doesn't have to be, like, another Telltale game. Like, you've already got a a staff there, you know, that's worked with you, and you hired them, and it's like, you got your foot in the door. Just let them do their thing. Yeah, it's a great idea, honestly. I'd like to see what they can do. I mean, if they're generous enough to pull this off, you know, I didn't expect it either, so... And it's like Skybound has the money, I think, you know, it's like they're in a really healthy place uh, as of right now. And like they've been, you know, expanding into TV and video games and all right. these other places. And like, I think them wanting to release original video game content is the next logical step, you know. Um, all I can hope is like, I think you're you're probably right, Thompson. I don't think we'll see like maybe another like Telltale game. Right. But oh my <laughs> God, I really hope that I get my Telltale Invincible game. That's what all I want so fucking badly. Or like just Invincible's any Invincible's game? done. Well yeah, like any Invincible game would be great, but like I I would honestly rather have like a story choosy Invincible game, I think, than even like a, you know, like a superhero one cuz I feel like that's harder to get right, you know? Like getting the flying and the powers and all those things and making all that fun is way harder than just telling a good story, which I know they can do, you know? Uh but we'll see. I think at the end of the day, like Sean said, this is a happy ending, and I'm happy that at the very least these 40, however many some odd people are going to get a chance, at least a quarter of these people are going to have work, and we'll get to see The Walking Dead through to uh, to its you know conclusion in a way that I don't, don't feel is like disrespectful to the people that lost their jobs, you know? Yeah. Which is great, because I feel like now you can, you can enjoy this guilt-free. Yeah, so. exactly. And and that's that's a struggle that we've talked about in the past on this show where you know, how are you supposed to feel when you know that behind the scenes there's a situation that's really bad, uh, but you want to play the game. You know, and, and now I think people can do that without having to worry. Yep. And and I think, you know, and we're we're you know, we're going to talk a lot about this in our meat and potatoes. Uh, so let's put a pin in that part for now. I think just kind of the last uh, thing to mention on this story is if you hadn't bought The Walking Dead the final season, like if you weren't one of the people like me who got the uh, full season, you know, in advance, um, it had been pulled from digital stores by Telltale in September while this was all kind of, you know, folding out. Uh, and Skybound has said that they expect the final season to be made available again sometime in October. So. Cool. If you want to pick up season, uh, you know, the final season, I keep saying season like it's season four, but it's the final season. Um, if you want to go pick that up and get episode one and two under your belt before they release uh, episode three, you've got your opportunity probably in the next week or two. Cool. Uh, so if you were looking forward to another zombie game in 2019, you might have to wait just a bit longer as Sony Ben's PS4 exclusive Days Gone has been delayed yet again. What? Uh, so- really? Yeah, uh, it's it's a bummer, but I I do think there's a bit of a silver lining here. So let me let me tell you guys, and then you know, we'll we'll let you weigh in. So uh, there was an update on the PlayStation blog uh, earlier this week that covered four upcoming PS4 exclusives, um, which you know we're not talking about any of them. They're all little games that got pushed back a tiny little bit, or we got final, you know, whatever. Uh, so the big news was that. Days Gone has been pushed back to a April timeline. So uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment America, I always like have to stumble over that. Uh, their <laughs> VP of marketing, Asad uh, Quizzlebosh, ha- was the one who wrote up the uh, blog post. And I pulled the two paragraphs he uh, he threw out about Days Gone. 
So he said, we want to share a change in release date for this highly anticipated title from Ben's studio. We recently decided to move the release of Days Gone from the crowded February timeframe to April 26, 2019. While the studio is eager to see Days Gone in the hands of fans, Ben's studio will take the opportunity to further polish Days Gone. As PlayStation fans already know, Days Gone is an open world action game set in the high desert of the Pacific Northwest. Traversing harsh landscapes on their drifter bike, players must fight for resources as they attempt to survive broken roads, unpredictable weather, attacks from other human factions, infected wildlife, and roaming freakers. A brutal, dynamic world that is dangerous both day and night. Uh, so, if you've been looking forward to the game like I have since they revealed it originally in 2016, you'll remember this is the second delay uh, for the game, which was originally due out this year and then got pushed back to February 22nd. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have speculated, and I think this, ar- this paragraph kind of points to February 22nd was a very crowded release day this year. Anthem was coming out that day. Uh, those That weird Russian series that, that Thompson likes, Metro... That the next Metro game's coming out that day as well. Oh, that's how uh, you're, you're the weird Russian thing that he likes. <laughs> it's that's how I know it. Um, All right, yeah. You know, I, I think there is a lot on that title th- that day. There's other stuff in January that's right before that, like Kingdom Hearts three, and I think there's a lot of other games that people were going to be playing at that time of year because the secret's kind of out that that's the good time to that's oh this is when you can release games to get attention. Not anymore, motherfucker. Zelda came out that time of year, like it's over. <laughs> it's blown up. Now, I think this is actually perfect. I think April sounds like a great time for Days Gone, because what the fuck comes out in April, or June, or July? Generally, not much. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, didn't God of War come out in something like April this year? It, it was like April this year, I think, and like that was the game out right then. Right, so if we have like one big game that comes out in April, or you know, maybe a month after, like that's, that's fine, you know? I think we did talk about this actually earlier, like... That February was pretty stacked now, and I don't know what was going to make it. We were, I think we were talking about Anthem specifically saying it might be hurt because of that, but now it looks like it's got more chance, too. I mean... Yeah, I think this is going to be good for both of those games. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like I'm not excited for Days Gone. It's just you get a delay or whatever. It's one of those, you know, like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to play it, but you... Ex- I don't know. I kind of expect it to get pushed back. It's so out there to me, you know? I feel like we don't... Well, we don't really know that much about it either. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, when you look at, like how much we've known about other games when they were this imminent, it felt like more, you know? But, like, yeah. you think about... I guess even Spider-Man was like that for a while, though. Yeah. Where for it was a while, like, man, yeah. I feel like we should know more about this game, and then all of a sudden we knew everything. Yeah. They had that Game Informer, like, here's 45 minutes of it, and a whole issue dedicated it, and we're covering it for a month, and now everybody's talking about it. I feel like we had that, though, with Days Gone already. Like, at least a Game Informer issue that came out. Was. was like, here's an hour of play and, and all this stuff, and, like, here's the hype for it, and I feel like it was just too early you know if they were gonna it's not a problem that they're gonna you know push it back but maybe that's why we're feeling that like we don't know enough about it because like that shit definitely came out it did but that was also the very first like big expose on it and right even that was still very teasy because they didn't get to play that much and i don't think that they showed footage from what they played i'm pretty sure it was just the article uh, yeah, so, it wasn't as in-depth as, like, Spider-Man, you got all in that Yeah, thing. I mean, uh, that was big. <laughs> I think there's still room for another huge explosion of information with this game. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's going to come. As far as it being delayed, whatever. I, I really, really never have a reaction to delays because they don't matter. You're going to play the game eventually if you want to. And a delay is not going to stop you from doing that, most likely. No. It, it, really, the only time that I get upset about a delay 
is when I feel like it moves the game into a less optimal time frame. You know, like if it's like, oh, like if February was like, oh, this is really the only time to release this game. You like, I remember we talked about that with like, um, oh, what is it? What's the the big mech fighter game from EA? Uh, oh God, help me out, boys. I have no idea. You know the one where you call down the robots and you jump into it? Titanfall. Titanfall. Titanfall 2. I remember Titanfall 2, that was the narrative that we had about it, where it was like, yo, why is this game not coming out in the summer? Or in the spring? You know, it's coming out alongside every other big shooter, and it's going to get drowned out. Right. Well, two of the three shooters were the same company, too, so it's like, you know, the overall, um, they were just trying to, I think, crowd out the other one. Yeah, which you know, I get that. Yeah, but it was it, it was the work. thing of you know, Titanfall yeah, like suffered if, because of it. Yeah, and if Titanfall had come out in the summer when there was nothing else, I think it would have been a bigger deal. Yeah, because um, by all accounts, it's a great game. You know, right? Yeah, people loved it. So that that's the only time I get upset about it. But to your point, Sean, I think in this case, like this seems like a win win because it gives them an extra four to six months to put polish on the game, which it probably doesn't even need at this point. So, like, great. Maybe it won't have a huge day one patch. Maybe it won't be buggy as hell. Like, knock on wood. Um, But I think the better takeaway here is that it's coming out in a time where there's going to probably be very little competition, and I think the game will have a much better chance at succeeding. Because the narrative around it is a little bit muddled, you know? Like, people are not as excited about it as they were for God of War or Spider-Man. And, like, God of War caught people by surprise, I think, and, like, it was a bigger deal than they thought it was going to be because it was so good. Whereas, like, Spider-Man, there was already hype for it because it's Spider-Man. This has neither thing going for it. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel it is- a little bit like, hey, that zombie game that's coming out, rather than like, oh, that's fucking Spider-Man, or like, whoa, God of War is good now, you know, like, like it came back, yeah. you know, like, there's and- there's talk about either one of them, and not that there isn't with this, but the, the hype train does not move nearly as fast for this one, or as hard. No, and I, I think it has a lot of things going against it in that sense, where it's like, zombies feel kind of played out. It gets compared to The Last of Us because of that. It is a third-person action open-world game, which is what every Sony first-party game is. So if you're, like, a cynical gamer, like, you're going to, you know, point that out. Um, That's, like, an Andy Brown complaint about this, you know? Like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so, you know, it's, like, all those things work against this game having momentum. But if it's good, people will buy it. Exactly. And if it's good and there's nothing else out, people will definitely buy it. Brighter side, I'm glad to see like April getting attention. You know that like we could get a big game on the off season like that. You know, like February was cool for us when it started happening, and we're like, damn, look at this! There's this like, sweet games coming out like post Christmas, and now it's like post February. There's a new zone coming out. It's 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 awesome that there's like a nice staggering of it too. You know, like if they're deciding like to have these monthly spans, you know, like two or three in between, it's great. You know. Gives everyone time to actually play the games. <laughs> it's also mad stressful, though, because, oh, like, yeah. Money, the, the, I mean. the quiet times mm-hmm. of the industry are are getting, like, uh, fewer and farther between, you know? That's happening, Like, too, it's yeah. like, fall is the big period, but winter is also the big period now, and then, then there's also, like, now spring is where all the games going to get away from that big period go. And then how long until that becomes, oh, well, now, now you gotta release a big game in the summer if you want to get attention. It's like... There, there's that's it we're done there's no time left like this summer was the first time in so long where i was like man it's kind of quiet like yeah. there's only like two or three big games out this summer whereas like back in the day there were two or three big games that came out a year and now it's just like 
the quiet period is when there's still one or two big games you got to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I know, like, every other week for Pals Play, you're just like, oh, this came out, we're going to play it. Like, okay, fine. I didn't know that came out already. Super Mario Party, that, that, I, was, I didn't even realize that was coming it out. Just, it's just like, oh, that's out too, right? Fuck. Ah. And then, like, and then like all the big indies come out in the summer now. Like, if you're an indie game and you're looking to, like, make your mark, a lot of times you come out in the summer. Like, there was, like, Dead Cells and The Messenger, and uh, there was, like, one of the other big ones, I forget. But, like, I don't know, man. It's just, like, it's it's getting more and more and more competitive and it's great you know it's like it's a good problem to have like you you have this just absolute outpour of good games to play and i think that's the other thing that makes these delays not hurt so bad it's like oh so i'll have another couple months to play red dead and then like try to knock another game off my pile of shame great yeah Yeah, there you go whatever Uh, so moving right along, our next story is, uh, it's a small one for now, but it's one that I think could cast a long shadow. So the Discord store has launched its global beta this week, and uh, there are, there's some interesting little wrinkles in it. So uh, Robert Perchise, who's a senior staff writer over at Eurogamer, uh, did a little write-up, and uh, I'm going to pull from his article. Discord store cupboards are nowhere near as full as Steam's. There are only around 20 games to straight out buy, but there are some nifty initiatives which make Discord stand out. There are first on Discord, Discord Nitro, and Universal Library features. And each of these are pretty interesting, so I want to I wanna just dig into these a little bit with you guys. So, uh, back, to, back to the article. First on Discord is what's, what it sounds like. Games with timed exclusivity on Discord. The handful of signed games aren't juggernauts, but do include Bad North. Uh, which he says, you know, Chris, uh, Christian Dolan recommended in his review on Eurogamer. Bad North is available on Switch right now, uh, so it looks like the first place, to, the only way you'll be able to play it on PC for a while is through Discord. So that's pretty interesting. I haven't heard any of these other games. There's uh, Sinner Sacrifice for Redemption, Minion Masters, Bad North, At Sundown, uh, King of the Hat, and Last Year. So I haven't heard of any of them, but, you know, that's it's it sounds like a pretty interesting initiative. Uh, and then they also have Discord Nitro, mean, and this is back to the article, Meanwhile is like Netflix, or the Xbox Game Pass, a subscription service which gives you access to a catalog of games for a monthly fee. Discord recently announced it was bumping the price of Retro from 5 to $10 a month to reflect the growing number of games available within it. There are only 50 games there, but some good ones nonetheless. Uh, so this is like, I don't, I don't want to go through this whole list, obviously, but there's some, some definitely relevant titles on here, like this War of Mine, Roller Coaster Tycoon, Metro, Brutal Legend, uh, you know, so the games you've heard of for sure, right? Nidhogg, System Shock. So there, there's Super Meat Boy, plenty of solid games on there. Um, and, uh, obviously not surprising. I think there's obviously been a, a big, rise in these subscription-based services, but it's interesting to see that they're kind of, I think, the first on PC right now, at least like this, that I'm aware of. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And then, um, like I said, the, there's there's no call-out about it. Oh, no, actually, never mind. I'm sorry. So here it is. Uh, Discord's Universal Library is a feature which launches, launches any game on your computer handy, given the increasing amount of launchers, Epic, Battle.net, Steam, GOG, etc. out there now. So, uh, so here he asks a question here that I wanted to pose to you guys. Could we in Discord be about to see the rise of the next major gaming platform? There's certainly already a large community there. So I think this is a fascinating uh, move for Discord because I think, you know, 
you you think about it and discord is kind of like at least in my mind um it's one of those programs that i feel like almost every like activated gamer is using and i think almost always has it running yeah because it's lightweight use it to chat use it to jump in and talk to your buddies if you want to talk when you're playing different games it works if you want to talk when you're playing all the same game it works you can set up multiple chats for all the games you have you see like youtube uh businesses and stuff like that having their own discords to engage with their communities like discord is a hub for gamers and the idea at least of like the universal library no brainer like people will be using like will you ever open steam again if you can just run it through discord or like do you ever really need to open battle.net again what if you could have every single one of those things running through that one lightweight client and you can just not have any of that other shit ever run on your computer again Personally, I've got a folder on my desktop with, like, nine game launchers in it, not including Steam, you know, just a little, like you said, Battle.net and, you know, other things, and some shit just only is for one game. And it's... it's Epic, you, you know, know, whatever. It's not like, like the end of the world, but obviously anything with ease of use is attractive, and anything where you can just pop it open. And, like, even recently, I don't know if you've been on it, but Discord does have those, like, games you've been playing recently kind of, like, hubs that are showing up. And yep. from there, it was kind of saying, like, oh, you know, check this out. This Here's updates for it. And I'm just like, wow, you're getting updates from Battle.net, from Steam, from, you know, this and that. And that alone was enough to, you know, make me at least take a look at it. And if you're telling me I could just click those now, I'm not even going to have to open them up. And that's crazy. That's, like, obviously, you're going to be using the program more. And if you're on it more, and then they get to throw ads at you for the Nitro service or anything, which $10 isn't bad for some of the titles you just mentioned, you know? There's... A couple of them that don't necessarily work in other areas you know like GOG usually has an answer to something and it usually works right but there are some Steam titles that just plain don't work on Windows 10 even though they're being sold you know and I don't know if you can stream it to your computer or you know have a service like that it's probably going to work you know and that's the big benefit to me that older games that are more accessible now you know it's a lot harder to make them work than it used to be and it's not like impossible but for for someone who doesn't have like much knowledge but trying to you know make that shit actually work it's a pain yes you know it's yeah and like whatever like to your other point whatever ease of use thing that you can get like that's what people pay for yeah right like exactly. uh full disclosure back when i was like 17 or whatever and netflix was <clears> brand new i remember being like why would i ever pay eight dollars a month for netflix when i could just pirate stuff on torrent websites and then that got harder and netflix got more attractive and it's like oh well What's eight dollars a month? All right, it's convenience. Yeah. And now there's you know, you know uh, Hulu, Netflix, you know, Verve, Funimation, just everything. You know, there's yeah. So, now I have so, like four of these things, and I pay like twelve bucks for all of them, so, so I can have them in four K. And it's like I don't give a fuck. Like now I'm used to it. You know, now I like it. Yeah. And that's that's all one of these things needs to do to penetrate. Andy has Xbox Game Pass and pays ten bucks for it every month. And does he use it every month? No, but he pays them every month. And like that's how they make their money. You know. Uh, and I, I think them trying to get into this space is like super forward thinking. And I think to the point that we were making earlier, how much people use discord discord needs to find a way to make money fast Yes, because I'm sure that the costs for those servers are getting astronomical. It's absolutely incredible how you can just at any given time, make a new server jump in per game even. Right. So like even me doing like hearts of iron stuff, multiplayer games, every single one has its own discord server. And most of them just get trashed when the game is over and make a new one, even per lobby. And it's, you know, it, it's not like we're going to 
destroy Discord's like bandwidth, but you gotta imagine that when you crack that many open on the server, it's just so much data that they have to process so much, you know, and like that's where all the, the expense comes in this stuff is is that and like I always tried to wonder where the hell they're making money because we're just going on this fucking program talking for what? Like no one charges you, you know? Yeah. I mean realistically, like I don't I don't know, so take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. I would imagine Discord is one of those companies that doesn't make any money, but they're valued at a lot. That's because what they I was... have this huge group yeah. of people activated. There's so many people on it, you know. They must have they must have like angel investors and stuff or something. They have some source of revenue that is betting on them to make money eventually. Yeah. You know? And um, I, th- I think and they I... built the community up and it's if they wanna uh to do that, like this is time to do it there it's just massive you know yeah dude and i i think the thing is too discord has hit a point where it's like really mainstream you know because like for a while i think it was just kind of a pc gaming thing but uh i feel like the failure of nintendo to make a good um like way to chat through the switch actually made discord like way more recognizable with non-pc gamers you know it definitely helped bridge the gap yeah for sure. And I think, I, I feel like, and, and you know what, Fortnite, for that matter, because Fortnite has the cross-play, and if you've got like, oh, well, I'm playing with my squad, and I'm on Xbox, and my buddy's on PS4, and one of us is on PC, like, what's, or Switch, or whatever, what's the easy way to do that? Oh, everybody just get on Discord. We can all put it on our phone. Yeah, even still, like, even if you wanted to use, say, like, the PlayStation chat thing, right, versus using Discord on your phone or something, Discord on the it's phone not is as, still... It's not as good! Right, it's still better than have Discord on the phone. I don't, I can't speak for Xbox's side of it, but I, I know, like, personally speaking, even when I'm with, like, a few of our friends just trying to play some games on PlayStation, it gets uh, choppy, or there's lag between it, or sometimes it cuts out, and Discord on the phone, or, for me, the PC works better, and just sitting there doing it very little bandwidth on anything you know and uh it's amazing how integrated it becomes into like gaming culture across all things when you're just like it's not even on the damn playstation and i'm still using it you know it's universal that's the thing it's just it hit that that zone first before anything else really i mean skype kind of was you know but it's this is better by a long shot so Especially for gaming, you know? Yeah, well, I feel even... like Skype was the thing that we begrudgingly used until they invented Discord. <laughs> yeah, even so, like, there was a game of D&D I was playing the other day, and you just had, like, the roll commands in the chat for it, you know? And it's like you can simulate tabletop gaming with stuff like that, just dice rolls and dumb things. The functionalities are just starting to show, you know what I mean? What you're going to mm. be able to do um, is very enticing. I think this this is huge, you know? It's a big step. Yeah, I think this is just the beginning of them growing and and uh, I think them becoming a marketplace and stuff like that. Whether or not they ever truly become a competitor to Steam is something that we'll just have to wait and see. But I think they're uniquely poised to do it because we're already there. We're already activated. And if yeah. the deals are good and it's easier and it's like you're already launching all your Steam games through Discord, it's like, well, why not just start buying stuff here? Who knows? Maybe you already have Discord Nitro. Like, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not sure what this means, but I really do think that, like, the future looks very bright for Discord. It's just a matter of them figuring out how to leverage the incredible amount of sway that they have right now. Uh, Alright, so our last few stories are going to take us into our meat and potatoes all about Rockstar and the issue of video game crunch. But before that, let's focus on Red Dead Redemption 2 itself. So Rockstar did release the final launch trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2 this week, and uh, I just wanted to pick your brains on it, boys. Um, we all got a chance to check it out, right? Yeah. Yep. So any any thoughts on it? I uh, I thought it was solid. I, I realized with this, though, that I have no investment in this game. Uh, I thought that there would be more information that would drop that would entice me, 
but I haven't seen anything, and uh, I really just don't care at this point. It's, like, cool, I guess, because the first Red Dead Redemption came out forever ago, and now we're getting a sequel, and, you know, I guess a lot of people are excited about that, but I just, I don't care. I don't think, I don't, I don't even have it pre-ordered. I don't have plans to purchase it. I haven't played the first one. I don't know that I'm ever going to get around to that. So this might be one that I skip by. Yeah, I kind of I kind of thought that was going to be the case, especially because, like, you didn't even really get to play Spider-Man yet. No, not really. Or Tomb Raider, and you're interested in both of those games. Yeah, I haven't even bought Tomb Raider. And yeah. honestly, I probably won't. <laughs> right, like, when WoW finishes, maybe you'll get around to Spider-Man. When, yeah, when WoW finishes, whatever that is. Well, I don't mean, like, ever, but I mean, like, when raid season wraps, you know, and you're, like, oh. a little bit less involved. Well, when raid season wraps, I'll be sleeping. <laughs> you can sleep when you're dead, Sean. Play Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be dead if I don't start sleeping more. Uh, Tasa, what about you? Any thoughts on this guy? I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, man. Like, I... I, I, the least compelling part of Red Dead for me was really the story. You know, like it's good. I'm not saying it had any. No, listen. What? I really enjoyed so the gameplay shocked. the most about it. Like I didn't give okay. two shits about Western stuff. I never did. So the story, uh, it, whatever. You know, like I like the Undead Nightmare thing because I like the, the stupid gun mechanics. You know, I oh love, my I god. Love, whatever. And this is it. I liked those parts of the game. You know, I know it's a Rockstar game. Everything, but I wasn't looking for the GTA experience, you know. Like I was looking for like the gunplay and all that, and and like the, the cool like slowdown effect that they had for you know where you could shoot dudes yeah, in the dead crotch. eye, yeah, dead eye crotch people. You know, it was it it just had a lot of stuff that I enjoyed, right? So for me, the least compelling part was the was the story, honestly. It's insane. And, but I've got to say, Red Dead Two hasn't really done anything to say look at this story like to pull me in. You know, it's. It's kind of feel like it's generic Western stuff. I don't know. Like, go rob a train, do this. It's cool. It's going to be fun. But I don't give a shit about this guy, you know? Uh, I thought that there, like Sean said, there might have been something else, like, you know, dropped to, like, pull me in for it. I'm still going to play it. It just, I I don't I don't see, you know, they're, they're, unless they're hiding some kind of really, you know, really intricate thing that's going to pull me in. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's funny because, like, to me, okay, so I definitely agree with what you guys are saying in terms of um, I don't have any, like, major – there's nothing about the story that they've thrown out there that, like, has been a major, like, hook for me, you know, but, like, that's – that wasn't the case with the original Red Dead either. You know, it wasn't like, oh, like, I'm so interested in John Marston as a character. That's why I need to play. I got interested in John as I played, you know, because of the his the performance of John and because of where his story went and the things that he did and the people he met and all those things. And the 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 water cooler moments, as it were, like the story that I told with John and my experience, you know. Um, and that's what I'm excited for. It's it's to get in, in this world and exist in it and live in it. You know, it's like, I don't know any of the names of the people in, in Dutch's gang yet, but I'm really excited to get to know them, you know, because like the fact that it has that whole uh, like Bioware-esque, like, oh, we have a caravan camp and you can go and like meet any of the people. And like one of the things that's come out in the last couple weeks, uh, which I've kind of toned down the Red Dead talk because none of you guys are interested in it. Um is, like, you can turn off 
like mission markers and a HUD and everything and like just get your suggestions for missions and stuff like from the guys in your camp or from people that you meet in town and like it's those minor interactions and like how your actions have ripples and the way that you act is going to make the people in your gang act differently like that very like you know kotor like oh are you gonna be good or evil you know like that stuff is what's really appealing to me is like when i get in there and get to just exist in that world what's the story that i'm gonna find and i'm gonna tell and that's why like this this trailer doesn't really do anything for me like it was the other videos that they did a couple weeks ago where i was like oh yeah like this looks so alive the world looks so full you know like that's the stuff i'm excited about it's it's definitely the same kind of excitement for me. Like that's like the the Kodor kind of feel, the party system and all that, you know. So, but that's kind of why I think it's pulled away from the story. Is like I don't care about the main character because of that. It's just the vessel for me to experience the story. Like even with John Marston, like I didn't ever care to like him, you know. That's I insane. Just, I didn't though. And the <laughs> way it ends, like I don't know, real spoilers for a super old. Nah, game. don't don't spoil it. I mean, just, you know, who knows? You might just, not have. It's just one of those things that. I didn't. I don't know. I never cared about the guy. You know, it's just like whatever. that's ridiculous, I man. Just like, I just I don't him. understand. I I mean, like, and it's fine if you didn't, but I'm just like, that is one of the first games where I remember having that feeling. You know, of like, because I I always feel like the characters in uh, in Grand Theft Auto are like very throwaway, and like when I got to Red Dead, I wasn't expecting to get emotionally invested in it. Um, but like I remember getting to the end of Red Dead and like crying. You know, and and <laughs> Damn, being dude. like and being like mad. You know, and, like, being so, like, and not at Rockstar, like, at just what happened of being, like, I can't believe this is how it went out. And, like, you know, like, like ah, and I was, like, just so upset. And uh, I remember, like, going and, like, sitting and thinking about it for a while and being, like, fuck, this is so good that it elicits, it, I got such a serious reaction out of it you know and then like there's like a post-game mission where you get to kind of like get closure on the ending and i went and did that and was like this is fucking brilliant like that was like one of the first times like i really felt like storytelling in video games had like been elevated i thought that the the post credit thing was phenomenal right i thought that was like really really good but it's i didn't care about john <laughs> like i don't know how to explain it like i just didn't. i don't care about you <laughs> <laughs> no no it's okay uh, <laughs> but yeah so I, you know obviously there's gonna be a lot more red dead redemption talk on this episode and in the weeks to come so we, we we can move along but um looking forward to it can't believe it's coming next week that's like, yeah. We'll have it in, yeah that's ridiculous <laughs> we'll have it on friday i don't know man I can't. I can't wait to get in and do some palace plays with that nonsense. That's gonna be fun because Thompson's gonna make decisions I would never make because he's a he's a bad person. Oh, like dead eyeing everyone in the crotch. <laughs> Thompson, are you buying the game? No, hell no. Okay, I can't afford to. But he'll get it eventually, or I'll borrow my copy. If you could afford yeah. it, would you buy it though? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, there. So like, I would have bought Spider Man. I would have bought you know games like Tomb Raider and all that if I could have. Um, you know, I, I, I hold out for the Steam sale of a thing being 10 bucks. you know? Sure. <laughs> and I go from there. Uh, and then I also have, like, a, like a stack of shame that I was borrowing from other friends. So I've been blowing through them, like Neo and stuff. And it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm getting my Souls experience in, you know, before Sekiro comes out. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving right along, uh, it's all Red Dead from here on out. So yeah. beca- apparently because it's 2008, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming on two discs. Oh, boy. 
Uh, the Christ. apparent leak of a boxed Japanese copy of Red Dead Redemption 2 started making the rounds on Twitter, which showed an icon indicating that the box contained two discs to install the PS4 copy of the game. And that appears to be legit because RD Online News, which was the Twitter account uh, that leaked the image, soon followed up with an English copy just like a few minutes later that showed uh, to have the same information. So uh, this isn't surprising, given that there have been rumors and reports uh, swirling around that the game's install is anywhere from 80 to 150 gigabytes, depending on if you're playing the Xbox or PlayStation version of the game. Uh, But I think it just speaks volumes about how much Red Dead Redemption 2 there is to play. You know, I think there have been a ton of uh, statistics they've thrown out where they're like, there's over 700 uh, voice actors or 800 animations and all this all this crazy shit like there's a lot of fucking unique content in this game to make it not feel like you're running into the same shit over and over again so i think not just in like the 65 hour campaign it speaks about how much there is just making that campaign feel as like fresh as possible which is it's crazy i i I can't wait to see it and have takes on it you know yeah go ahead thompson i was gonna say it just reminds me of the witcher 3 where they're just like, hey, we've got 80 hours of campaign and, and that's on launch, you know, and it's like, holy fuck. <laughs> I don't know how that how big that, <laughs> that game was, but this is upwards of 150 almost. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I I think when I hear things like that, I think about the old Grand Theft Auto games and how I felt like I never got bored with those. Oh, like yeah. I could have played, I did play Grand Theft Auto 3 for years, and I could have continued to play it, but there was a new one, so I played that instead. That's exactly what um, happened to me. And so to hear that Rockstar is still as devoted to giving you that replay value is really cool. Uh, and I, it only makes me wish this was a Grand Theft Auto game, so I'd actually buy it and play it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so that actually... Sean is a perfect opportunity for a segue into our buy or sell this week. We're bringing it back. Nice. So my question for you gentlemen is, and I I think Sean's made it pretty clear, buy or sell Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption? Oof, toughie. Wow. Oh. (laughs) Pete, that's easy. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's easy too. It's Red Dead Redemption. Are you kidding me? It's Red Dead Redemption. Easily. Red Dead has had one game. Yeah, and I would still pick it. Wow. Grand- you are a diehard no, fan. <laughs> no one even cared about Red Dead Redemption. That's Grand not Theft true. Auto. Grand Theft Auto took over the country. Grand, like that's ridiculous. Listen, GTA Two was I'm not, so big. The, the argument isn't which one is bigger. I I know that Grand Theft Auto is, and this isn't a dig at Grand Theft Auto. I like GTA, but GTA is a juggernaut. GTA is the most successful media property of all time. Uh, There's no competition if we're talking about which one makes more money or whatever. But in terms of which one I like better, I like Red Dead Redemption better. A lot. Red Dead Redemption is one of my favorite games. There's not one Grand Theft Auto game that's on my top five. I'm glad for you that that's the case, but that's that's completely personal because, like I said, in comparison to GTA, no one cares about Red Dead. Well, in comparison to GTA, nobody cares about any video game. But that's about the buy or sell that's around just, it. Well, I, I know. That's the whole point. Like you said, so it's you opinion. The whole point is opinion. It's if if you had to choose, which one would you buy and which one would you sell? It wasn't random question of the week, which was no, objectively a better selling franchise. Right, so Grand Theft Auto has is, is made a way, more, a way bigger cultural impact. I can't argue that. I'm just saying, <laughs> I think Red Dead Redemption is objectively better. 
as I, I enjoy Red Dead Redemption better than any other Grand Theft Auto game. And okay. I played every one since GTA. Well, I've played GTA 1 and 2, but not enough to like have an opinion on them. I've played every Grand Theft Auto since Grand Theft Auto. You're making two different arguments. You're making the argument that personally you prefer Red Dead, but then you're also yes. saying that Red Dead is objectively better. I'm saying one of those in is my, false. In my opinion. In, you can't say objective <laughs> and in your opinion at the same time, Pete. What the fuck? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm saying in in my mind. Okay, let me let me choose a different word. In my mind, without a shadow of a doubt, Red Dead Redemption is better. Okay. That's all. <laughs> objectively better. Jesus. <laughs> we, we live in... Two wor- I just realized the parallel universe theory is real because there are two worlds we live in. One where Grand Theft Auto is the superior game in every possible way, and there's Red Dead Redemption. A great game, but not better than GTA. Uh, on any... I, I don't know how. I mean, I know you love this game, but my god, Pete. You the story's are- better. Uh, I like the setting more. Like, Grand Theft Auto, there's like a million games where you're in a city and you have guns and you drive cars. You know, it's like... Red Dead Redemption's the only game of its ilk. And Grand Theft Auto's the best of games like that, but there are plenty of games where I can drive cars and shoot guns in third person, you know? Um, and Red Dead Redemption is, like, a, a truly standout and unique and special experience for me, you know? <sighs> that's like, like it's, saying... It's unlike any other game that's out. That's, that's like if someone said, well, there's lots of superheroes. Spider-Man's not that special. It's not about how many other games there are like GTA. It's about what GTA does that makes it stand out from those games. Sure. And and I and I, if, if we were talking about it versus any other game of its ilk, GTA all the way. You know, like I'm not... I, I don't care about any other games that rip off GTA. GTA is the one that I play every five or ten years when they decide to put them out. Uh, whereas my, my point is more that like with the superhero comparison, it would be more like in my mind being like, oh, well, like Dr. Strange is special because like he's a magic superhero and that feels different. You know, like it's that I like that Red Dead Redemption is like its own, like it's like what other game is in the Western genre in, in video games. I don't know, but that doesn't make it better. It could be trash, but it's a Western. Wow. I'm not saying it's, it's trash. Not, but it's not trash. No, I'm not really saying good. it's trash at all. But it could be. The fact that it's in a different setting doesn't make it better. That just makes it different. Makes it unique. Yeah. But it could yeah, also I mean, be trash. But my point is, like, that's part of why it stands out for me. Is that, like, when I think of, like, all the video games I've played, Red Dead is one of the games that that experience has stuck with. Sure. Because I haven't had another experience like it. Totally. But that doesn't make that 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 in and of itself doesn't inherently make it better. That, no, that, I that, think it's that is a, it's a point in its favor in my mind. Pete, I will say this though. Uh part of why I, I'm so hard on the fence with GTA is because of GTA online. Like the the system that, you know, didn't start great but ended up being fucking awesome. Yeah. I will say this, so because Red Dead Two is supposed to have some kind of really awesome implementation of online. Ask me again after it comes out. I'm you know? super interested to see how Red Dead Online Because maybe does, because maybe I'll say I, Red Dead 2 is better than GTA 5. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's, I don't know, dude. It's going to be interesting. I'm really interested to see how it does. Because I, I don't think it's possible that it topples GTA 5. I don't think No, I can. don't think so Except either. Except maybe GTA 6. But maybe and GTA it's... has like way more like <laughs> mass appeal. Yeah. You know, and like, I know. and I think there's way more you can do with the online because GTA is like cartoonish, you know? Yeah. Like, like there, like there's, you know, 
as much as it is like grounded in terms of like its recreation of a city and everything like that, like there's a hard like Saturday morning zaniness you to wanna, it as well. You want to play that? Do some fucking Saints Row the Fourth. Oh my god, that shit is out of this world. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's just like what if GTA took acid? Yeah. You know, basically. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, aliens. <laughs> you know, I. The things that I'm saying aren't to put down GTA. They're to illustrate why I think Red Dead is so special. Oh, that's all. I'm, that's all I'm trying to say. I um, and I, 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 you know, I think it's cool that you guys are so hard in the other camp because I think they're they're both great pieces of software. I think pretty much, you know, all of Rockstar's original IP, save for like Manhunt. Uh, <laughs> oh God, all, that was them, wasn't it? It sure was. Uh, they're all pretty pretty awesome. So, I, th- yeah. I actually, first of all, I want to say I was really looking forward to Manhunt, and then I never played it because I heard it was bad. But um, I bought beyond it and it that, was terrible. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> beyond it was that, just like, it was just like gratuitously violent. Like I'm all about violent video games, but like I don't feel like you need to have a game that's about serial killers murdering each other by like sticking plastic bags that's on people. That's what people's sold heads me on it, Pete. I think that's cool. I know it did. Yeah, that's a, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't even remember what year that came out, but I know that I was young, and I was like, yo, this is what I want. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was different. But anyways, uh, I think it's funny that we're having this conversation about two games from the same publisher that you could, that, you know, or developer. You, like, you could, you could make an argument like we just did for either one of them being, you know, top five, or both of them, if you're so inclined, you know? And it's from the same group of people. Yeah. Oh, I think, like, in in my mind, if you're making a top 25 games of all time, there's no way that A, GTA, and Red Dead Redemption 1 aren't on that list. Well, hey, you know? listen. Several, like, no, several no GTA way. games could be on that list. Yeah, that's my point, is I think you only pick one just, or in terms of, like, top 25. Because, like, I think if you're doing, like, a top 100, you'd see three Vice City, San Andreas, four, and five on that list. Definitely. Uh, But if you're talking, like, 25 of all time, I think you pick one. What's the best GTA? People people would probably have to give it to five because of online. Two of them would make my list. In top 25? Yep. Yeah. Three and Vice City. Hell yeah. I, 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 like, three is one of those games I give props to for, like, um, history's sake. Like, it was such a pivotal game, you know? Um, but I, not to say that it doesn't hold up, I just think all the other games on the PS2 I would play first. Like, if you had to ask me which one of those was I going to play right now, if you put all three of them in front of me, I'd pick up Vice City in two seconds. San Andreas, though, for me, definitely. The was, RPG elements in that's, San Andreas that's what sold so me. fucking fun. Yeah, game was crazy. I was like, oh my god, I put a million hours into Vice City, now I have RPG mechanics. I used to sit there, like, <laughs> farming, like, levels in the corner, like, get, you know, five stars, and just be like, I'm gonna shoot this one gun for 20 minutes straight and get max level on it. Or, like, just doing dumb bicycle shit. The bicycle was so much fun. And it was yeah. supercars and everything, and planes, and, hell, and jumping out, and I would ride the goddamn bicycle. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's just crazy, you know? <laughs> my my favorite thing was just making my guy, like, super fat. Dude, I was just going to say that. I love doing that shit, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I then riding the bike it. to get him skinny yeah. again. It was yeah. so much fun. You could just do fuck around so much. I loved it. <laughs> dude, I just remember, like, my dude was fat as hell, and he had a big-ass afro, and I would just be, like, trying to do the BMX spins, <laughs> and he's just like, boom. 
man. I, I thought that was so cool that you could that yeah. you could make your character fat. Like you could you could do you, it was a real person. It felt like it, yeah. And you're like, don't eat brilliant. too many burgers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. Oh, go work out. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of the things I'm most excited about for Red Dead Redemption Two. Actually, is that they're bringing all that those mechanics back. Oh, really? Like one of the, yeah, like one of the big things that they showed off was like uh, your hair grows. So, like, you grow a beard, and if you want to have a beard, you can't just go to the barbershop and be like, give me a beard. You need to grow out a beard and then trim it to the style that you want. And if you want, like, a certain thing, it's like you have to grow the appropriate amount of facial hair and everything. And if you want, like, long, like, you know, hair like Thompson's got, you got to grow it out. You got to get some hair tonics. How long does that take? Who knows? I don't know. Wow. You got to get some proprietary hair tonics and throw that shit on, on all over your face. <laughs> but, uh, yeah... The, yeah, Rockstar is great, man. They make some great games. I wonder how many snake oil salesmen you're gonna run to in the game. Like, this will make a hair grow, lad, and then it doesn't do anything and makes you go bald. <laughs> and then I shoot them. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can dead eye them in the nuts. You know, that's. Also, I have to say, if we were making a top 100 games of all time, I would push to get Bully on that list, just because Bully is also great. So shout out to Rockstar. Still gotta play Bully. <laughs> we tried to do it on Palace Play, but the fucking it won't work on Windows 10. Yeah, yeah. fucking bullshit. Well, hear that Discord? Get a uh, bully so we can <laughs> we can stream it and play it. Yo, Rockstar, can we get like a bully remaster? Like, where's that at? Let me get let me get a, a new updated, you know, Bullworth Academy edition, whatever the hell it was that you did last gen. Give me that shit right now, HD. <sighs> let's do it. Chop chop. All right, so moving on to our meat and potatoes. Uh, unfortunately, it seems that the size of Red Dead Redemption 2 may have come at a price. Uh, the industry has been sent reeling this week after there was news that broke that at least some of Rockstar's team were working 100-hour work weeks to complete Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, so this story is... Uh, it's a doozy. There's a, it, it you know started on Monday, and it broke basically the entire week. The last update was uh, on Friday, last I checked. Um... So there's a lot to unpack here, and uh, we're going to let our friend Jason, what an actual games journalist looks like, Schreier, help us out. Uh, but it all kind of started, you know, when a quote from Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser, the Hauser brothers are well known if you're a fan of Rockstar. Uh, they're the founders of the studio. It's Dan and Sam. Uh, Dan did an interview with Vulture that started making making the rounds where he mentioned that that 100 hours a week number and um, just to kind of get us caught up on Dan's initial quote and then his response, uh, I'm going to pull from one of Jason's articles on the subject, uh, which was titled, We're working 100-hour weeks, Red Dead Redemption 2 head writer says, then clarifies. So let's jump into Jason's article here. Uh, it's long been an open secret in the video game industry that the prestigious developer Rockstar embraces overtime. And a new quote from company co-founder Dan Hauser about Red Dead Redemption 2 caused controversy this morning by suggesting that it took 100-hour work weeks to make. In a new elaboration to Kotaku, however, Hauser said the quote has been misinterpreted, saying that such a workload is not required at the studio. In a feature published yesterday by New York Magazine about the making of Rockstar's ambitious cowboy game, so that's the Vulture, Vulture's an imprint of uh, New York Magazine, uh, which comes out on October 26th, Hauser talked about working 100-hour weeks en route to completion of Red Dead Redemption 2. Here's the full quote. The polishing, rewrites, and redirects Rockstar does are immense. 
We were working 100-hour work weeks several times in 2018, Dan says. The finished game includes 300 animations, 500,000 lines of dialogue, and many more lines of code, even for Red De- for each Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer and TV commercial. Quote, we probably made about 70 versions, but the editors may make several hundred. Sam and I will both make both... We'll both make, both make, that's got to be a typo, lots of suggestions, as will other members of the team. So this is back to the article. When asked by Kotaku to elaborate, Rockstar sent over a statement also attributed to Dan Hauser. So buckle in for this one. There seems to be some confusion arising from my interview with Harold Goldberg. The point I was trying to make in the article was related to how the narrative and dialogue in the game was crafted, which was mostly what we talked about, not about the different processes of the wider team. After working on the game for seven years, the senior writing team, which consists of four people, Mike Unsworth, Rupert Humphreys, Laszlo, and myself, had, as we always do, three weeks of intense work when we wrapped everything up. Three weeks, not years. We have all worked together for at least 12 years now and feel we need this to get everything finished. After so many years of getting things organized and ready on this project, we needed to check and finalize everything. More importantly, we obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way. Across the whole company, we have some senior people who work very hard purely because they're passionate about a project or, or their particular work, and we believe that passion shows in the games we release. But that additional effort is a choice, and we don't ask or expect anyone to work like this. Lots of other senior people work in an entirely different way and are just as productive. I'm just not one of them. No one, senior or junior, is ever forced to work hard, and I believe we go to great lengths to run a business that cares about its people and to make the company a great place for them to work. So that uh, there, there's a there's more context in Jason's article, um, but I want to just pull out one last thing and then move on, where he says to put things in perspective, in a a hundred hour work week would average out to around fourteen hours a day for seven days, uh, and then he goes on to talk a lot about um, you know the issue of crunch in the gaming industry and then talks about how rockstar has kind of been um accused of this in the past in 2010 uh there was a similar um controversy around red dead redemption one actually where there was a a a letter that was coming from supposed spouses of the people working on the game who were saying they were being forced to work like 60 hour work weeks and stuff like that so rockstar definitely has a history here with this so uh, it appears it's only on the red dead games though right is what you're saying that it's come out no on, that's just least? that's just the two times it's come out okay. you know that's what i'm saying like, it's just it's only broke on those two yeah okay. yeah for whatever reason <clears throat> that's just the two times it's happened interesting you know? that the time period being like you know let's let's capitalize on on labor as much as possible with no rules is that's the game's setting and that's just coincidentally funny <laughs> oh <me>. that's funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but yeah so I, I don't know if we want to get into the response from the rest of the, the people at Rockstar before we start weighing in. Did you guys want to – did you have any comments on this initial kind of story as it broke? I'm actually really interested in what the response is. Yeah, I'd like to hear that too. All right. Well, then we'll, we'll move on to the next part of the story. So uh, following the controversy, Rockstar's HR department had sent out an internal email to the rest of the staff that was basically giving them permission to take to social media to talk about their experiences – working at uh, Rockstar and working on Red Dead Redemption and other projects. So Jason, uh, this prompted another article from him where he said, Red Dead Redemption 2 developers speak out after Rockstar lived social media ban. Uh, So, you know, basically they took to Twitter and Facebook. He's got a few quotes that I'm I'm just going to read the quotes here. And if you guys want to go, you know, we'll have all Jason's articles down below so you can check out the rest of the story for yourself. 
So first off, this was one of the most rewarding and least stressful projects I've worked on, said Keith Thorburn, who works in the music department at Rockstar North Edinburgh, Scotland. I know what Epic Crunch feels like, but this was managed in such a way that I felt happy and healthy. Uh, So then moving along, we've got, uh, in the time that I've been at the studio, work practices have definitely improved, says Phil Beveridge. Kind of says... Kind of looks like Phil Beveridge. Cool. Nice name. All right. Or Beveridge, maybe. Either way. Uh, He's a coder at Rockstar North. Crunch on Red Dead Redemption 2 has definitely been a lot better than when I was on GTA 5, where I was pulling a month of 70-hour-plus work weeks while being told by my boss at the time to go home. So I have never worked more than maybe 50 hours a week, and that's a rare occurrence, but I generally work about two to six hours of paid overtime a week, said Vivian Langdon, a tools programmer at Rockstar San Diego. I've been at Rockstar for two years and worked on Red Dead Redemption 2, said Danny uh, Bannister, a vehicle artist at Rockstar North. I have never worked anywhere close to 100 hours a week. There was some crunch, sure, but nothing ridiculous. We worked hard on the game, but we weren't being abused. I think the most I did on Red Dead Redemption was 60 hours for one week. Just to conceptualize that, 60 hours would be 5 12-hour days or 6 10-hour days. That's from Jason. Uh, As a worker at Rockstar North, I should probably add my voice to the conversation going around about crunch, wrote tools designer Tom Faultley. We do crunch. Uh, I've not seen anybody forced to do 100-hour work weeks, but I've definitely seen friends get closer to that figure than is healthy. I am asked, encouraged, and expected to work overtime both nights and weekends when coming up to a big deadline. The most I've ever worked in a single during... A week, single week during my nearly five years here has been 79 hours, but that was not recently. And then Rockstar lead art, artist Miriam Bellard has rounded up a number of these stories on her Twitter feed. If you want to send them all, if you want to see them all, that's another note from Jason. Uh, so, but but you get the idea here, right? So the point here is that when these people took to the to Twitter and Facebook, uh, it definitely seems to point the picture that no one's being you know forced to work seven or hundred hour weeks, but that many of many people are electing to work over uh what many would deem an appropriate amount of time and uh you know i i I guess i have a question for you guys that i wanted to throw out here before you know we jump into all this which is i i've been thinking a lot about the idea of of this kind of workplace culture you know where it, it doesn't seem like many of these people are being forced to work these kinds of hours, but some of them did say they were encouraged to work overtime and nights and weekends when they were coming up on a deadline. Many of them were hitting well over a forty-hour work week when when times were tough. You know, and that's had me thinking a lot about you know the broader issue of crunch in the gaming industry, which we're going to talk about a lot. But I think the thing I'm specifically thinking about here is you know I think in any industry. Right, a lot of people seem to have an issue going home before their boss, and I wonder if some of these people aren't feeling encouraged to work these hundred-hour work weeks or closer to these hundred-hour work weeks because they see the housers and these other senior people doing that crazy kind of crunch. Like, do you think that that like that culture and the idea of crunch being a thing in gaming is maybe even contributing to some of this? I don't know. There's a lot of threads to pull on here, but I, I had to get that 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 thought out there um, before I turned it over to you guys. So, what do you think about all this? This is much to do about nothing. Uh, I, I strongly feel that way, and I understand that in the context of what just happened with Telltale, people are very sensitive right now. But the Housers, as anyone who know, who knows, you know, gaming really knows who they are. You know who Laszlo is if you play. Grand Theft Auto, um, 
and and I'm sure that other senior people who've been around for many years as well, they're going to do what they're going to do to put the game out the way that they feel it should be put out. And those aren't like just regular coders or regular, you know, music people. Those are the senior people who've been there for, you know, 10 plus years who really are the people who've driven, who've been the driving force behind these games for all this time since, you know, since before we cared about Rockstar. So those people putting in 100 hour works week work weeks no one is telling dan hauser what to do he's doing it because he wants to especially dan hauser right right it's his company exactly (laughs) and the people who he's working alongside that he specifically named including his brother i'm sure are all elect that's their work process that's how they that's how they choose to operate i believe that because i understand that when it's your passion project listen the, the, the random coder cares a lot about the game. I'm sure they do. I'm sure it, it means a lot to them. Absolutely. But to for Dan Hauser, it's probably his story in a lot of ways, like that he crafted. Uh, and he's he's it, it's his face on, on you know on Rockstar. So nobody's gonna put more work in it than him. And if and if that's not true, then that's a problem. But if he's if he's in the trenches working 100 hours with his his inner circle who all want to do that, that's fine. Who cares? You know? I don't see any problem with that. As far as the, the other individuals, uh, you, you, kind of, you kind of brought up how the culture there, because you see your boss working that hard, it inspires you to want to work hard. Uh, and because you care too, right? Like, to sure. your point, these people are just as passionate about the project as, as these other... Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure that... Even, you know, like you said, any random baseline, and I don't mean to say random, any any coder who's working on Red Dead Redemption 2 is proud to be working on that game. Yeah, absolutely. They they, they care. It's important to them. They, they want to see a great game come out of this, and their, their passion level's high. But for that individual, if they see their boss working that hard, do they feel pressured to do so? Maybe. But it doesn't sound like from the tweets that you read that there's this huge, uh, you know, burden placed on them to make sure that they're sitting there and working all these extra hours. The one woman I believe said she got, uh, six hours paid extra work, uh, two nights a week. You know, that's great. I guess like, if, if that's yeah. what she wants to be doing. And it's paid. We talked about Telltale. They weren't even getting paid for the extra hours that they were putting Right, in. and I think I think that's the bigger thing for me is, like, if these people are electing to work 60 hours or 70 hours or they're being encouraged to work 60 or 70 hours when they're trying to come up on a deadline and they're getting paid for it and they want to do that, I don't I – don't, I think you're right. I think there isn't a problem with that. Like, people need to set their own – pace and stuff like that and if that's not a kind of culture you want to work in then you shouldn't work at rockstar you know there are other opportunities in the gaming industry uh where maybe you can find a place that's a little more your speed you know yeah and i'm certainly not suggesting that in the history of rockstar there's never been a problem but for right now for what we're talking about it doesn't sound like there's a problem and if you honestly i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead if you've ever worked on a personal project if you've ever been involved with something that you cared about then you yourself understand that you're gonna 
you're gonna go hard when it's time to and that might mean skipping dinner for yourself or that might mean less time that you spend doing other activities uh, because you want to make sure that the product you put out there is the best it can be and that I'm not saying that that message is right to come from the top down but it just doesn't sound like that's what's happening yeah, I, I think one of the points that I've seen raised, and it's something that I think we're going to talk about here with kind of the final update on the story as of right now, is I think that is a really important point, though, Sean, is that that message shouldn't be coming from the top down. And if it does, that's bad. And I think if the message isn't clear that that isn't the expectation and there are people feeling that pressure, that's something I feel uncomfortable with. You know, I'm totally... Like to your point, if that if these people are electing to put in the extra hours because it's a labor of love, that's that's the work. That's that's art. You know, like I think every one of us in this conversation has done that at one point. You know, we just did that for New York Comic Con. I fucking slept for ten hours or three fucking fifteen hours across four days because I wanted to be up and working and and also having fun. But uh, and those are sacrifices that you elect to make as a creative person sometimes. You know, and I and I don't think that that objectively is is uh, is wrong but i think if there isn't that clear communication if there isn't that clear line between the seniors and you know um and and the 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 bottom level you know people working on the game like that is something that that gives me pause and and makes me glad that we're at least having this conversation well the one individual said that they were told to go home several times right by you know, whoever. Um, Our boss. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good sign. But I also think for myself, like, man, if I if <clears throat> if I'm trying to get this product out and I and, and I've got people that I have that work for me or whatever and we're, you know, trying to get this out, I'm not gonna tell people you need to work, you know, all these extra hours, but I'm certainly not gonna shy away from individuals who want to because I want to see this game out that's the way it is we've got a deadline and and frankly i think the the and and this is a conscious like a a a really tough issue you know and i don't mean to minimize uh crunch as a thing because i think like there there's a lot of pushback on that mentality and i think for good reason that like you don't want to glorify people that are working themselves to death but the person who is having to be told to go home that shows a level of passion about the project that is valuable you know so you want people like that but i think your job as a manager as much as it is to get the product out is also to take care of your employees and to make sure you don't burn out that asset that person who is so valuable who cares so much who wants to sit there and do the 70 hour work week so at some point you got to be like dude go home and sleep and come back and give us your best work you know and, and I, I think to your point and to the, some of the comments that we saw here from these people, it kind of sounds like that's the direction that they're moving, at least even if they're not quite there yet, right? Like there's the person who said, it's gotten better in my time there, that I've worked less on this game, that I've had a more comfortable pace. That's a good sign. I, I, I want to make one last point. Um, and I, it's a tweet that I saw. I can't remember who sent it out. But it, the, the, the point of the tweet was, when are we going to start putting the blame on people who want to work those extra hours that then create a situation where others who don't do that 
are looked upon differently. That's the essential point. I have a very big problem with that. Really big problem. Because no one... The same way we're saying that it should, the message shouldn't come from the top down, that you need to work these 70 hours, no one has a right to say you shouldn't do that or you can't do that. And that armchair person who's tweeting that out or saying that, why should you limit this person's passion? Why should that person be shamed for wanting to work hard on something that they care about? Because I don't think it's a matter of shame. It's the thing of, like, if somebody's working to a point where it's impacting their health negatively, like, I think that is your responsibility as as a boss. You're talking you know, about something the... different than what the tweet than what the tweet was talking about. The tweet was talking about when are we going to start putting the blame on people who work that hard because it creates a situation where the expectation oh, okay. is that other people will do it too. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I think that's – yeah, that's not the right way to think about it. Like, it, it's – there's no – if that's how somebody – operates that's how they operate you know and i think like that's fine until it hits the point where you're killing yourself you know and like if 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 the housers want to go shut themselves in a room for 300 hour weeks at the end of the process of red dead redemption and that's their thing i get that you know i used to work for you know my my school's newspaper and would sometimes put in like you know, I'd be there till three or four in the morning working on stuff and after being there for 12 hours, you know, and like, that's how it goes sometimes. Like, I get it, you know, um, but I, I think, yeah, the, the point is when that becomes the norm, you know, when it is I'm working several 60, 70, 100 hour weeks like in a row. Like, so when when you are working like that um, to the point where you're you're, you know, getting diminishing returns because you're literally working yourself into the ground that's that's dangerous you know and it's not sustainable and i think you want to have a workplace that allows for that when it's safe and necessary and discourages it when it's not you know and i think that should ultimately be the goal but the the tact that you that you pointed out like that's not right either because who are you to say that someone's not allowed to work the way that they want to work you know and, like, just because Dan Hauser's the boss doesn't mean he's not allowed to work the way he needs to work for his creative process. And that he's not expecting it of others. But go ahead, Thompson. Sorry. I'll say, like, for for my job, it's not a creative process, right? But there is very much a culture of you leave when you're done, not when you're timed out. So if you're supposed to go at 10, you know very well, Pete, I come home sometimes at 1 or even 2. And it's not a matter of me wanting to get extra time. Everyone else left. So... What am I going to do? I'm the only one there. I'm literally the only one there. So I will, I have to do it. I mean, and I, the money doesn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? But it's it doesn't sound like it's, it's very exploitative in general. Rockstar's view on this doesn't sound like that. Like there's not enough employees or there's not enough work to go around necessarily. Or, you know, for people, maybe people sure. you know, are leaving early. Who knows? It, it sounds to me like because they were told to go home whenever it's, it, you know, because they're also getting paid for overtime, which is huge. I think you know. That's very, well, I, we we have to be careful because I'm not sure that they're being paid for a hundred percent of those like extra hours that they're putting in. It didn't sound like you know? that. Yeah, no, but, it sounds it sounds like some of it is paid overtime. No, I, I'm well aware, but I mean, I don't get paid for any of it, so you know, there's a big difference. And it's again, it's kind of like if I had left, uh, you know, before my job was done, uh, being paid or not, technically, I'm liable now, you know, and and it's not fair, but 
but that's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's, it happens that way sometimes. And I don't think Rockstar is going to that level, is what I'm saying. There's, you know, and it's not a creative project that I work on or anything like that, but, you know, there are people who just do it because they have to, too, you know? There, there is the crunch period that we didn't really jump into too much, but there are people like me who just are there, and maybe they're told to go home, but they sit there and they look and they say, I'm not going to do this tomorrow anyway, you know? And then, it's like, or like, I can't. Like, yeah, I can't maybe they're home, just like, you know? you know what I mean? Like, there's a situation where maybe they're being put into this scenario, not because they're the cult. Like, maybe that one guy said, it's encouraged to work overtime. It's not, maybe no one ever said work overtime, but maybe the work piles up in such ways that it's just like, you kind of look around and you're like, I guess I have to, you know? Yeah, um, that always. It's like if be, I don't do this, it won't get done. Right, that always could be an option. So we don't know. At least I don't know if there's any more to the story yet that has covered into that part. Really, we don't know if that's the culture that is being built around it. It may not be any of the other ones we mentioned. That option is the you know the subtlest way to get people to to do extra work. You know, um, paid or not. You know, it's it's just sometimes that is the crunch feeling, but put across the broader scale. You know. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, like you said, like, with crunch, like, there's a culture of crunch in games. That's like, true. that's part that, like, a lot of these people, especially, like, to Sean's point, who've been there for a long time, that's how they came up, and that's how they've done things, and, you know, like, when you're in it for that long, I think sometimes it's hard to break those habits, and maybe you don't even see that it's damaging you until you're burnt out, you know? It definitely happened um, to me many times, you know? I mean, I would be working two jobs and sleeping for two hours in between them, and then it was, like six or seven months later i just fucking crashed i couldn't do it anymore and like it's not a matter of even me realizing it i just i just one day couldn't do it anymore i don't know you know yeah you hit your breaking point you know i had the same the same thing when um you know like i was doing this stuff i was working at cbr i was doing my nine to five like you know i was freelance doing lettering comics on the side and it was you hit a point where it's just like i can't i can't do this anymore it's not sustainable you will get sick um and and as long as you know i think as long as your employer is like not pushing you to that point like if you're electing to get to that point and then telling them look i gotta stop and then they're okay with that like you know like that's that's part of this dance when you're working in a creative field and it's it's really i don't know i I don't think it's as cut cut and dry as a lot of people want to make it out to be you know which Um, is so par for the course in these kinds of conversations that it feels it, it almost feels pointless to engage in them because so often the view on social media is, well, it works this way, and if it doesn't, then it's wrong, and that's it. And it's just not like that, and I don't know where these people work. I don't know what they do with their lives. I don't know if they're creative, passionate people, but it's just not that simple, you know? And and I ne- I've done that and never even thought about what I was doing. I just did it because it was doing it, you know? Like, Sometimes that's just the way it is. And if you're harming yourself, that's a different conversation. That's not the same thing as I'm passionate and I want to do this because I want to see this project through. It's not the same. And even if you are harming yourself, that's your choice. That's different than talking about what we discussed at Telltale. It's not the same. And you can't just paint with that same brush. I'm not saying you're – I'm talking about you know individuals online. You can't just paint with the same brush. No, no, but I, but I do think that, I think that this this conversation is an important and it's an ongoing one, and I don't, I don't think people are wrong to get sticker shocked by seeing that number. You know, hundred hours a week is a lot. You know, and um, I think you're right that 
people wanted to take that original headline and that's the end of the story. And it's not that simple and it's still developing. And that takes us to, uh, like I said, if, if Jason has anything to say about it, the story is not going to end here. And I imagine we're going to have more, uh, in the weeks to come. So I have two tweets from him that's going to take us into our final update on the story. And then we can kind of close out our thoughts on this. So he said, I've talked to dozens of current and former rockstar employees and I'm still working on a larger story. So please stay tuned for that one. We all crave simple narratives, so it's tempting to draw conclusions like, quote, these employees said they haven't crunched hard, so the rumors must not be true, or quote, they must be lying, unquote. But the reality is, as far, or as always, far more messy and complicated, and that's what I'm planning to explore. So I think I think that is a great cap on the points that both of you guys have made there. That, I totally agree. You know, that couldn't sum it up better, I don't think. It, it's really that simple, and, you know, I'm sure the needle has moved a lot over the years as well. So I'm really interested to see what Jason can dig up here. So uh, our final update is another tweet from Jason and then an article that he contributed additional reporting on, which we'll, uh, we'll jump into, where he says, Rockstar update. Today, the company told its staff at Rockstar Lincoln, one of the offices hit hardest by crunch, that overtime will not be mandatory anymore. Many QA testers at Lincoln have described brutal schedules to me, bigger stories still in the works. So here's this last article. Uh, and this, this is by Stephen Totillo. And like I said, uh, Jason also had some additional reporting on it. So Rockstar Lincoln, a UK studio that has been handling a lot of the quality assurance testing for Red Dead Redemption 2, is swearing off an approach that many employees say had interrupted had they, that many employees say they had interpreted as mandatory overtime. Excuse me. That change comes as a result of the studio meeting at the end of the at the end of a week full of unusually public discussion about the work hours put into the creation of what is likely to be the hottest big budget video game of the last several years. We first heard about it from six sources familiar with the studio, many of whom characterize it as a switch from mandatory overtime to a voluntary system. Rockstar Management described the situation differently to Kotaku, saying that overtime was not mandatory, but was part of a system in which the overtime was requested and scheduled by the bosses, but that employees could say no to it. Through the, and then this is a quote, quote, through the conversations we've had, we've been having, it is clear to us that the requested scheduled overtime felt like an obligation to some, if not many, of the team. The company's head of publishing, Jen Colby, told Kotaku today, quote, we therefore spoke to them and made sh- and made. Sh- oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. We therefore spoke to them to make sure it is clear that the overtime is not mandatory. Over the last couple of weeks, we've heard from numerous cor- current and former Rockstar employees about the work hours put into making the company's widely lauded and hugely successful games. Employees' st- stories increased in the number in the wake of the. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the the catch up here. So let me get back to. There's one more little bit I wanted to touch on. Okay, here we go. The Rockstar workers we heard from regularly cited Lincoln as one of the worst of the company's studios in terms of crunch. One source familiar with the studio said that they'd been in various forms of crunch since October of 2017, with requested weekend shifts on top of weekday shifts. Uh, many of many who have spoken to us privately have said that they like working at Rockstar but are weary from the amount of work. Uh, and then there's like a little thing about, you know, there's a post from on the Red Dead Redemption subreddit, which is talking about the meeting and the overtime and da 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 da. And then we have the quote here. Uh, so we had a big meeting today where it was announced that all overtime going forward will be entirely optional. So if we want to work the extra hours and earn the extra money, as well as make yourself look better for progression, then we can do so. But there is no longer a rule making us do it, the Reddit poster wrote. This is a huge this is huge for us here in Lincoln, as many of us haven't been able to take full weekends without paying for it in a long time, and it's a giant step forward in making crunch less of a hell to deal with. So there's uh there's more 
you know, like I said here, if you if you want to go check this out, there there's a uh, you know from the article it says they were asked to work fifty two point five hour work weeks between October twenty seventeen and uh, August twenty eighteen. Um, night shift testers were asked to work forty five hours, and then sometimes that would stretch to the fifty two hour mark. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot more data here, and you can get into some of the intricacies of this. You know this source and what, you know, Jason and Steven, who is the editor-in-chief at uh, Kotaku, were able to uncover. We'll link to it down below. But um, that's kind of the last update on the story as of right now. Like I said, it seems like Jason has a bigger story in the works about, you know, the overall workplace culture. But uh, hearing that about these QA testers, which are kind of really the bottom rung on the totem pole when it comes to game design, uh, what, what do you guys think about, about this update to the story? <sighs> Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's a change, uh, that, you know, that the culture there is, is going to change. Um, again, you know, you don't want to like, that's the, that's the dark side of this, you know, and I haven't, I haven't heard commentary about this portion before. Um, and this is the portion that putting aside like the changes that they're making, just the initial story. That's not cool, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It what, definitely def, definitely sounds like those people were put in exactly the situation we were talking about, exactly. right? Where there's a top down culture of of encouraging that crunch, and that is what we should be talking about. That to me, and again, I feel like this always happens. The real story is something that people move away from or don't notice because of the big headline, you know. And these people. Thankfully, now they don't have to go through that anymore. But wouldn't it have, wouldn't it have been great if the if the shock and awe that surrounded 100 hours that was only you know the top level people doing it, if that same level of care was placed on these people who really didn't have much of a choice, or at the very least felt that they didn't. Right, and I, and I think. That's the problem, right? Is that in the 24-hour news cycle that we live in, uh, the story ended, you know? And that, like, a lot of people won't hear this part of the story, you know? And uh, a lot of people will, like, as Jason said, they'll walk away with being like, oh, well, the employee said there wasn't crunch, so there isn't crunch. Or they'll be like, well, they were obviously pressured to say that, so there is crunch, you know? And people want to put it in a neat little box, and it's rarely that simple. And I imagine this isn't the last time we'll talk about this story. I imagine Jason's going to have a pretty big one brewing after this. And I know he said on Twitter he's been working on this story for years. So when it finally drops, it's going to be interesting to see, with all the cards on the table, what the situation at Rockstar and 2K is really like, you know? And who's being taken advantage of, is it, you know, and who isn't. And... You know, just because some people are having a good experience there doesn't mean everybody's experience there is good. And just because some people are being taken advantage of doesn't mean everyone is. Because Rockstar is a wide-reaching organization, man. Like, in this story alone, we got quotes from, what, four different studios that are working on this game at some capacity. All around the world, you know? So, the idea that Rockstar is just this one machine, you know, oh, it's Rockstar and Rockstar is like this. That does. That's almost virtually meaningless. You know, it's like saying Nintendo is like this. It's like there's so many arms of what Rockstar is, and even they have masters in 2K, right? So it's like 
the the reality of this story is is probably somewhere in the middle where it seems like there probably are a lot of people who are being taken advantage of, who are being forced to work overtime or feel like they're being forced to work overtime. And maybe there's a lot of people that aren't, who are comfortable with the level that they're working and, you know, they aren't feeling pressured to work that hard because they have different managers and different uh, masters to answer to, as it were, you know? And, you know, I think the, the note that I want to end it on uh, and I'll turn it over to you guys one last time, is I think what Sean's saying is uh, is true, is that the problem with these stories is you read the headline, you make your opinion, you cast your vote, and we walk away and you don't think about it again. And the story is still developing, and it's probably going to still be developing a week from now, two weeks from now, who knows? And you have to stay engaged that whole time. You have to get the whole story. You have to care to know the answer because that is the point. You know, it's like if you really care about this issue, you've got to see it through and see what's really going on and try to net out how you feel about it. You know, not make your your Twitter comment, jump in on the zeitgeist and, and then walk away and don't care anymore. Because that's how these people get taken advantage of. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, and I think um, I also think it's important to remember that what feels like abuse and what feels like um, pressure or feels like too much for one person isn't necessarily the same for another person. Mm-hmm. So you know that speaks to your point about just because these individuals tweeted positive things doesn't necessarily mean there aren't other people who don't feel differently from that. And also, let's be real. If you have a positive thing to say <laughs> when it comes to how you feel about the place you work, you're probably more inclined to say that than the, than negative, the negative in this instance because it's so public. Right? Like um, if you were the person who's like, I am getting overworked and I and I am, but you, how comfortable are you feeling to say that? Right. Right? Like am I going to lose my job if I do that? Am I going to get in trouble? Like am I going to get passed over for a promotion because I threw the company under the bus? Yeah, so it's it's just it's very complex, and that part of it, I I feel has more to do just with the way that work works um, than anything else, and that's a so much bigger of a conversation than the scope of this podcast, or quite frankly, the conversation about Rockstar um, that people don't seem to want to have, but when it comes to the micro situations, everybody's got their pitchforks out, so. My final thought on this is um, I'm glad that there is a conversation, for sure, and I I don't think that that's a problem. What I take umbrage with is what I always take umbrage with is where people are very intent on only seeing any given issue one way and then don't even care enough to follow through. They care for the time it takes to send out a tweet and then it's over for them. And I think yep. that's BS. If you care, care. If you don't, shut up. Yep, I completely agree, man. Uh, people are, are way too eager to make their opinion heard rather than really, like, listening and trying to get to the bottom of, like, what the broader situation is, you know? That, like, it's rarely as easy as, well, my team is right and your team is wrong, right? you know? Um, and that's what it always boils down to. And I think... In this situation, it seems like there's probably, like, I'm not, 
I don't I don't want to demonize Rockstar because I don't know that that's the right thing to do right now. You know, like I'm not I'm certainly not sympathetic to giant corporations overworking people to make wildly uh, successful entertainment products and have them not get that kickback. Right. Like I think there's an argument to be made that fine if these people want to work 60, 70 hours a week and they're encouraged to and that's something that's necessary. Good. Then it should all be paid over time because Rockstar makes enough money to do that. You know, they do. Um, and, and maybe not everybody does, but Rockstar does, you know, maybe that's the conversation to be had. Maybe it isn't the problem of the culture. It's the problem of they're not being compensated fairly enough, or maybe it's not the problem that the whole company's fucked. It's that certain people are getting screwed over. Right. And like, there's going to be a lot of conversation to be had before we get to that answer. And I'm glad we're having it. I'm glad that it's out in the open and I'm glad people are discussing this and I'm glad that there are people that really do care, uh, like Jason, about the, you know, as his book talks about the blood, sweat, and pixels that go into making these things, you know? And I think it's sad that more people don't seem to care about the people that make their art. At least not enough to do anything beyond send out a tweet. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, I wanted to talk more about the issue of, you know, how this makes you feel about Red Dead Redemption and all those kinds of things, but I think it's clear. You know, I, I don't, I think there are a lot of people who are like, I'm going to boycott Red Dead Redemption because of this. And I don't think that's the right tact. You know, if you really care about these people, you should also, you know, I, they don't want you to not play the game that they spent 60 hours a week working on. You know, they love it and they want you to play it and they want you to enjoy it. So I don't, I don't know what to do with that. That's kind of my final take on the issue of crunches. I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know how you, voice your displeasure about people being taken advantage of, you know, without punishing them with your wallet, but that's also punishing the artist. So it's a, it's a complex issue. It's one I know we're going to talk about more in the weeks to come and the months and years to come, uh, as this industry trudges forward, you know, because I think until there's some kind of mass unionization of game, uh, developers, we're going to see this come up a lot more, uh, especially as people become more sensitive to it. So any final thoughts on this one, boys? Thompson, you want to jump in there? You guys have said everything I'd want to say. So. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, no, you, you nailed it. That's fine. All right, so if you want to let your thoughts uh, on this issue be, be heard, remember you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Follow us at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold or hit us up in the comments down below. And let us know what you're thinking. What do you think about the issue of Video Game Crunch? What are your feelings about Red Dead Redemption 2? Uh, are you still going to buy it? You getting it day one? Are you excited for it? What do you think about Rockstar? All this stuff. Or if you want to comment on any of the other stories we talked about today. Uh, a couple of them were pretty interesting in my mind. So uh, maybe it'd be nice to talk about something other than Red Dead Redemption 2 before that becomes the narrative for the next uh, two months. <laughs> so uh, buckle in for that one. We'll have a lot more on Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, next week, I guess, when I get my hands on it. So uh, tune in for that and we'll catch you. Oh, no, wait, we got to do plugs. Right. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Sean, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Sure. So, if you want to hear me more, uh, I'm on the Comics Pals, which drops the day before this. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary with our 104th episode. We've been around for a while. We're getting old. Um, and on this episode, we talked about the legacy of comic books on television and how comic books on television just might be the best way, other than comics, to portray those characters. Uh, so otherwise, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. And if you want to talk about uh, 
World of Warcraft, let's do it. <laughs> Thompson? If you want to hear more from me, I'm on Twitter at Relic Vampire, and I also do Pals Play with Pete. It's a world where we actually get together and sit down in the physical realm and actually play games, which is uh, antiquated, I know, but we do it. It's gross, but we do it. Yes, we're within punching distance of each other, so <laughs> that happens. I, that's uh, the only way I can play video games with Thompson. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when I beat your ass so hard in the NES games, you know, uh, I understand. It's okay. Damn. Ouch! The shade, but I mean, it's not wrong. Go check it out this week. He's he's whooping on me again. Well, except in baseball, it's a man's game. <laughs> he's a boy. He wants to beat me in boys' games like dodgeball. <laughs> dodgeball, where you have to dodge wrenches, is the boys' game okay? <laughs> All right, so as for me, if you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on the Comics Pals with Sean. I'm on the Pals Play with Thompson. And I'm also over on LootPots.com, where if you want to hear me talk about video games even more, you can go check out uh, the weekly podcast I host over there called The Pots Cast. We just had our fourth episode uh, where we talked a little bit about uh, some of our video game history, some other stuff. And I believe uh, I may have even gotten into some some stuff I never mentioned on this show. So uh, if you're into listening to me talk about Nintendo, go check that show out, support it. If not, uh, you can go follow along where we're also doing Nintendo news, reviews, uh, rumors from my boy Pixelpar, who uh, is often leaking stuff for the first time. So if you're a Nintendo head, go check it out and uh, give us a follow. Help me out. And uh, with that, that's going to wrap up episode whatever it is, 70-something. 70. We're getting old in this one, too. 77. Uh, 77 of the Video Game Pals, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Take care, guys. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store.